After the resurrection, uh, Jesus hung out with his disciples lots of times, showed up and talked to them, interacted with them, ate meals with them. And he told them that after he went back to heaven, after he ascended to heaven, that he was going away, but that he was going to send someone else in his place. He was going to send the comforter, the advocate. Who is that? It's the Holy Spirit. And that the Holy Spirit was going to convict them and teach them and lead them and empower them to change the world. Here's what he said. This is Acts 1, verse 4. Remember, Luke is writing this history to us to let us know what went on. It says, once when Jesus was eating with him, he commanded him, don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then verse 8 says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus' last words, this is it. These are the last things he said on earth, and then he ascended to heaven. And what he was talking about was something that had been prophesied 600 years before that in the book of Ezekiel. So here's what Ezekiel says God is saying to his people. I will give you a new heart. This is Ezekiel 36, 26. I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. And I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. Verse 27, and I will put my spirit in you. So these guys had heard that their whole lives, and now Jesus has promised them that it's about to happen, and so they waited with great expectation because someone amazing was fixing to come and something incredible was fixing to happen. Jesus was calling them to be supernaturally changed by the Holy Spirit and to be supernaturally empowered by the Holy Spirit to change the world. And so they waited because first they needed the power of this comforter. First they needed the power of this advocate. They needed the power of the Holy Spirit before they could go out and do these things that he was calling them to do. And then he came. He came on the day of Pentecost. It's a Jewish celebration, Shavuot. It's a holiday. And so in Jerusalem, there were thousands of Jews that were just packing Jerusalem from all over the place, and they'd come there to celebrate this holiday. And here's how Luke describes what went on that day. See if this sounds like just like a typical Monday to you, right? Acts 2, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And at the time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. And they were completely amazed. How can this be? They explained. These people are from Galilee, 
and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, uh, Phrygia, uh, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Serene, visitors from Rome, Cretans and Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in our own language about the wonderful things God has done. So, that was weird, right? I mean, this crazy tornado sound with no tornado, people speaking languages that they don't know how to speak, and this, <laughs> they're running around with their hair on fire. That was a, that was a weird day in Jerusalem, so yeah, the, obviously people came running to see what was happening. And they were asking, what's, what's happening to these people? Are they crazy? Are they drunk? And then Peter stood up and told them what was going on. And he preached this amazing sermon. At the end of his sermon, the people asked, what must we do to be saved? And Peter told them. And 3,000 people became Christians that day. And the church was started. And the amazing stories of Acts began. Miracles and healings and salvation for Jews and for Gentiles. And they did become the witnesses for Jesus in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In fact, you know Jesus right now because of what started that day. Because that was the beginning of everything that's happened through the New Testament church. And it all happened. It all started on that day when the Holy Spirit came. It was the weirdest day ever. Now you read it, it's like, I don't even know what was going on, but I will just ask you to consider this. If you think it was weird, how do you think they felt? Right, look at verse 12. This is one of the best verses in the Bible. It all happens, right? The people stood there amazed and perplexed, and they asked each other, what can this mean? So that's what we're going to talk about today. What, what did it mean? I mean, these were three pretty unusual events, right? This crazy loud wind that was so loud and so out of place that people came running from all over Jerusalem to check it out and find out what was going on. And when they got there, they heard people praising God in their own native language. I'm telling you, that is, that's bananas. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, a couple of years ago, I was in Kenya. And I remember um, I was in this little village and they were having some sort of like a farmer's market festival deal. And so people from all the little villages were, were there. And I stand out in Kenya, okay? I don't, I don't, you know, have my clothes, you know, a lot of reasons. I just don't, I just don't fit in. But one of the things was they speak Swahili there and I'm not that sharp on my Swahili and they didn't speak English. It was a really weird thing. The little group I was traveling with and me were like the only people there that even spoke English. And so we're walking around and imagine if we had been there and all of a sudden we heard a crazy loud wind and we all said, oh, it's coming from over there. And we went into that room to see what, the, what was going on. And we found a room full of people worshiping Jesus and praising God 
but not in Swahili, in Spanish. And they were saying, Gloria a Dios. And in English, they were saying, how great is our God. And in Texan, they were saying, praise Jesus, y'all. <laughs> that is just weird. But that is no weirder than what happened that day. And just in case it wasn't quite weird enough, there were what the Bible calls tongues of fire. Little, what is that? Little flames above each person's head. It was like their hair was on fire. What, what does it all mean? And each one of these things is, here's a church word, a manifestation. Each one of these, were, these, these events is a manifestation of the presence of God. And a manifestation just means something that happens that makes it clear what's going on, right? And so, like, um, if you have uh, COVID-19, there are manifestations of that, right? You might get a fever. You might get a cough. You might have shortness of breath. Uh, you might not be able to taste your food anymore, right? Those are manifestations. When you have COVID-19, that's just what happens, right? If you're a Texan, there might be some manifestations of that. You might drive a truck. You might eat a lot of chicken fried steak. You might be married to chips and salsa. You might have 1,400 guns at your house, right? These are, what are, this is what happens. When you're a Texan, these are things that might happen. It's a manifestation. If you're a dog, you might, what is a manifest? You might bark. You wag your tail. You drink out of the toilet, right? These are manifestations. That's what, that's what dogs, that's what happens when you're a dog. In fact, I'll just tell you, if you know someone, and they bark, and they wag their tail, and they drink out of the toilet, pretty good chance they're a dog, right? Because that's what happens when you're a dog. It's a manifestation of being a dog. And these three events, the noise, the wind, and the speaking other languages, and the fire in their hair, these were just manifestations, like evidence, right? These were manifestations of the Holy Spirit coming and resting on them. And listen, of course they were weird, right? Of course they were, oh, wow, it was so strange. Of course it was weird. When the supernatural comes in contact with the natural, it would be weird if it wasn't weird, right? This is a, this is a crazy event, man. Of course something weird is gonna happen. If your computer at home runs on 110 and you plug it into 220, some weird stuff is gonna happen. Right, there are gonna be manifestations, right? You're gonna see some different stuff. You're gonna, you're gonna see your screen flashing. You're gonna see some smoke coming up, right? You're gonna, you're gonna smell some different smells. You're gonna smell smoke and burning wires. You're gonna hear some strange sounds of money flying out of your wallet, right? This is, this is what happens. These are manifestations of 110 being plugged into 220. And these three things that happened that day were kind of like that. They were manifestations of the Holy Spirit coming into and coming onto these people. And each one of these things was evidence that something incredible had happened. That, and each one of these things, I think, had a special meaning. They asked what could it mean, but I think each one has its own meaning. So. Let's talk about this wind. 
Mandy, can you show us what the wind sounded like? Wait for it. Our media team was actually there that day recording. This, listen, I've, I've, you've heard people talk about when a, tor when a tornado comes, it sounds like a train. Haven't you heard people say that? It sounded like a train. It was this crazy noise of wind. And the Greek word here is pneuma, which is where we get the word pneumatic. What is a pneumatic tire? It has air in it, right? And that's what pneuma means. It means wind. And the Hebrew, it's the word ruach. Those are really cool words. They have double meanings. They mean two different things. One, they both mean wind, just like the wind outside. And number two, they also mean breath. Breath. So the ruach of our Father, the pneuma of God is his breath. It's like his essence. It's like his life source that he breathes. And lots of times, especially in the Old Testament, we see the Old Testament showing wind as an indicator of God's presence. So a lot of times, the wind is like a signal, right? It's like a sign God is here. So 1 Kings 19, when God passed by Elijah, a windstorm came that shook the mountain apart. Um, in Isaiah 66, 15, it says, the Lord is coming like a fire and the sound of his chariot is like a mighty windstorm. In Ezekiel 37, in the valley of dry bones, God brought the dry bones together and formed them together into bodies. And then he says, he called on the four winds to blow his breath, his life, his ruach into them and it gave them life. So this wind is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit coming. And I think what it means is that God is here. I think what it means is that God's presence is in the house. I think what it means is that he wants to be with us. And then the second manifestation is this speaking in other tongues. And that, that is so weird. Um, obviously, a miraculous, supernatural manifestation, right? Um, in, again, put yourself there, right? Forget about the visitors. What if you were the people it was happening to, right? What if today in church you were just worshiping and singing along and all of a sudden it started coming out in Japanese, right? And you said, praise God, that's weird, but that came out in Japanese, right? And then later during the sermon you said, amen, but that came out in Japanese, and then you kind of stop, church is over, now you go to a restaurant or something, you order your food and it comes out in English, you think, okay, we're back to normal. Then you pray to bless the food and that comes out in Japanese. That is a pretty weird thing to happen, right? That's a strange, strange occurrence. That is a supernatural, it's not natural, supernatural manifestation of the power of the Holy Spirit. And the people around them could see Something is up with these people. You know, it's, this is manifestation. Something's going on. These people are praising God in a language that they don't speak. Something is happening with these people. It's obviously a supernatural manifestation 
But my question is, why that manifestation? Okay, supernatural comes in contact with natural, something weird's gonna happen, right? Some stuff is gonna, why that? What did that mean? Why was it that they could speak the same language? Why, why, why didn't it manifest itself by giving them x-ray vision? Why didn't it manifest itself by them all being taller? Why didn't the Holy Spirit manifest by them all being really great at algebra? Right, why, why, why that? Why languages? Why didn't, why didn't he make them all sing on key for once, right? Why that? Why, why languages? It's obviously a manifestation of the Holy Spirit, but why did it manifest that way? What could this mean? And I think, and a lot of people think, that this represented something really special. Um, in Genesis 11, there's a story of the Tower of Babel. Remember that story? It's where we get the word Babel. Right? Uh, in the story of the Tower of Babel, uh, a bunch of people got together and they said, you know what, we don't need God at all. Let's just build a tower ourselves and we'll get to heaven the way we get to heaven and we won't rely on God at all. And so we'll be completely self-sufficient and we'll do things our way and we'll have to listen to God all the time. God didn't go for that idea. And so what did he do? He confused them. He messed up their plans by making them all speak different languages. They were separated by language. And then in the books of Chronicles, we see another story. Um, God's people were disobedient, and so they were exiled. They were all taken away to Babylon for 70 years, and they lived as citizens of Babylon for 70 years. And then when the 70 years was over, some of them went back home to Israel, and some of them stayed in Babylon, and some went to Syria, and some went to Persia, and some went to Lebanon, and a couple of them ended up by Lukenbach, and they became, they became citizens there, and they begin to speak those languages. So once again, what do we have? We have God's people separated, not just by geography. God's people were separated by language. And I think he chose this manifestation. I think he chose language to kind of illustrate a reversal of Babel and Babylon and to show that this day The beginning of the church this day was gonna be a step back to what God had always intended, which is one united people, one multi-ethnic, multicultural, multinational, one kingdom, one people with one voice. I think that was always God's vision, and John saw a piece of God's vision in his vision, in the Revelation. Look what he writes, Revelation 7, 9. After this I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation, tribe, and people, and language. And they were standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb, and they were clothed in white robes. That means they had the salvation of Jesus. And they held palm branches in their hands, verse 10, and they were shouting with a great roar together. Salvation comes from our God, who sits on the throne, and from the Lamb. Those people had previously been separated by nation and tribe and language. But what united those people was Jesus. And together, in one voice, they worshiped God. I think this manifestation 
reminds us of what God's plan was all along. All people, united by Jesus, worshiping him in one voice. So if the wind means that God wants to be with us, maybe the tongues mean that God wants to unite us. So yeah, overall, it was a, it was a pretty weird day, right? They had the crazy wind noise, and people are speaking in tongues, and then there's this fire deal. And you know, people, <laughs> To me, that's the big one, right? People love to talk about speaking in tongues and they make it a huge deal, and it is a huge deal, but it's funny how much you hear about that manifestation and how little you hear about this manifestation. Lots of churches have people speaking in tongues. We have people speaking in tongues in this church, but I've never been to a church where people have their hair on fire until today. I'm gonna ask for a couple of volunteers. <laughs> and listen, if you will help me make this important biblical point, I will give you a CBCB hat. If you will risk your life for this sermon, I will give you a CBCB hat. Who wants it? A front row, come on, come on, come on up, come on up. Yeah, you better clap, because this, because this could be it for them. So, there you go. Uh, tell us your name. Jorge. And Jorge, have you and I ever met? No, I'm just kidding. Jorge's our youth pastor, okay, or he used to be. He, he is, he still is, he still is. And this is Dorian. These guys are very brave, and they've come to make an important, weird, dangerous point. So guys, before we do this, uh, Fireman Rob, are you with us? Here he is, come on over. Rob is gonna take you guys off stage and give you just a really quick little uh, talk about stop, drop, and roll, and <laughs> we have some waivers for you to sign. <laughs> you know, you sit on the front row, bad stuff happens, I'm telling you. And I wonder why nobody wants to sit on the front row. Uh, so this third manifestation, let's, let's regroup here. Acts 2.3 says, Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Now this is my favorite manifestation in the story. And just like the tongues and just like the wind, it was a manifestation, right? It was evidence of the Holy Spirit. But again, why this manifestation? Right? Why, didn't, why didn't he make them all fly? Why didn't he give them all a third ear? Why didn't he turn them all purple? Why this? Why, why the flames? What could this mean? Why did he manifest himself as little flames of fire on these people? And again, I think this starts in the Old Testament. So let's think about this. When God called Moses, he called Moses from of all places a bush. Was there anything strange about that bush? It was on fire, and it wasn't burning up. God was represented. God's voice was coming from this fire. Um, in Exodus 19, God is now gonna give his people the law on Mount Sinai. Remember, Moses went up, they roped off the mountain. If anybody crosses these lines, they'll die. It was a big, scary, crazy moment. Look what it says, uh, Exodus 19, 18. 
All of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in the form of a fire. In the desert, the Israelites had a tabernacle, a temple, a tent set up, um, and that was, that was God's house, right? That was, that, was, that was where God is. And hovering over the tabernacle was God's presence. God's presence was hovering over the tabernacle, and at night they could see it as a pillar of fire. Even in the New Testament, Hebrews 12, 29 says, our God is an all-consuming fire. So God's presence is represented by fire. The, the power of God, the, the, the vastness of God, the incomprehensible holiness of God is represented by fire. Can you imagine a fire so powerful that it could create the universe? Can you imagine a fire so big that it consumes everything? Can you imagine a fire so bright that it lights up everything? The sun is nothing compared to the fire of God. So the fire represented God's presence. Mandy, can you give us just a little taste, just a small representation of God and his fire and his presence, his power and his holiness? This is God, all-powerful, all-consuming, completely holy, completely good, full of life, full of power, this is God. But on this day, the day of Pentecost, there was something more. Because on this day, God's presence was no longer to be confined to a bush or confined to a pillar of fire or con confined to a tabernacle or held in a box or kept in a temple or even in the, in the presence in the form of Jesus, starting on this day, get some here. God's fire was coming to live on each one of us. Can you dig it? The power, the holiness, the goodness, the greatness of God has left the temple. It's left the pillar. It's left the bush. And it's come to live inside each one of us. Do you understand? Say yes. Say fire. I needed you to say that because I got to get these hats put out. You guys get off quick. Thanks, guys. You're, you're out. You're out, man. And the sprinklers didn't even go off. Yes. Yes. God lives in us.
God lives in us. Hmm. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, don't you realize your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. God lives in us. And as we're reading through Acts, that explains a lot because that's how they did this crazy stuff they did. They had the spirit. They had the power of God living in them. Their hair was on fire. Something was bound to happen, right? How else do you explain what happened? How else do you explain the relationships and the generosity of the Acts 2 church? Right? These people had such amazing relationships that when somebody would have a need, oh, I can't pay my bills, somebody else in the church would say, oh, that's okay, I'll sell my house and give you the money. Who does that? How do you explain that? I'll tell you how you explain it. That generosity was a manifestation of the Holy Spirit living in them. Their hair was on fire. How do you explain Peter's boldness, right? When Je the night Jesus was crucified, Je Peter was so scared that he lied to a little girl and said he didn't know who Jesus was. And about five pages later, in Acts chapter four, they're bringing him before the council and they're fixing to throw him in jail. They can ruin his life. They can take his life if he wants to. And they say, you must stop preaching about Jesus. And he said, yeah, not gonna do that. Now, how do you explain that sudden boldness? I'll tell you how I explain it. It was a manifestation of the Holy Spirit inside of him. How do you explain the apostles performing miracles all through Acts, chapter five on? The apostles are doing these incredible miracles and people are being healed and blind people are seeing and deaf people are hearing and people are learning about Jesus. How do you explain regular people doing those impossible things? I'll tell you how I explain it. It was a manifestation of the Holy Spirit living in them. How do you explain Stephen's compassion in chapter seven? They took him to the edge of town and they picked up rocks and they killed him with the rocks. And while they were throwing the rocks at him, he didn't run and he didn't fight. While they were throwing rocks at him, he was praying for them, for their forgiveness. How do you explain that behavior? His compassion was a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. How do you explain Paul's persistence? In chapter 14, Acts 14, Paul goes into a town called Derby, and he's preaching there and they hate him. And so they take him to the edge of town and they beat him to death, right? They, they beat him until they thought he was dead. The only reason they stopped beating him was because they thought he was dead. They left him on the edge of town and they went home. And then some of Paul's friends came and prayed with him and he kind of revived and he got back up and he walked into the next town and started preaching again. A couple of weeks later, he went back to Derby and started preaching there again. How do you explain his persistence? I'll tell you how I explain his persistence. It was a manifestation of the Holy Spirit living in him. All of these things, their generosity, their boldness, their, their, their miracles, their compassion, their, their persistence, these were all manifestations 
of the Holy Spirit living in them. And this particular manifestation, this fire deal represents something really important, that every believer is a living, breathing, mobile temple of God, a walking pillar of fire. The personal presence of God lives in us. His love, his holiness, his power lives, the, the same power, the same spirit that, that, that did those things through those people, that lived in them, that rested on them, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us and rests on us. Now I'll tell you something else. These manifestations were not just tricks for people's amusement. They had a purpose. On the day of Pentecost, these manifestations caused something to happen. They caused the fire to spread. Because when people saw these crazy manifestations of the Holy Spirit, when they saw these people with their hair on fire, they knew something was up. And so they came to Peter and they said, what is going on? And then they asked the question that we all want our friends and neighbors to ask us, right? What must we do to be saved? And Peter told them. And 3,000 people became Christians that day. And the church began. And lives were changed. And eternity was changed. The world was changed. And it all started when people saw these manifestations in the disciples. And here's the best part. When the Holy Spirit manifests himself through us, it has the same effect. When our hair is on fire, when people can see him in us, when he can, people can see him resting on us, God can use us to change lives, to change eternities, to change the world. So the question before us today as Christians is, how is your hair on fire? How is the Holy Spirit mani manifesting himself through you? What does that fire look like in your walk with Jesus? How is the power of the Holy Spirit working through you, manifesting himself through you to draw people to him? How is your hair on fire? Is it, is it literally on flame uh, like uh, Dorian and Jorge? Is you literally have a fire on your head? Are you speaking languages you don't know? Do you have the incredible boldness of Peter? Do you have the incredible compassion of Stephen? Do you have an unnatural, supernatural generosity like this early church? Do you have supernatural persistence like Paul? Do you have supernatural love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? How is your hair on fire? Because when it is, when people see this unexplainable, whatever, boldness, compassion, persistence, generosity, love, joy, peace, when people see that in you, 
people will come, Ray, and they will ask us, just like they asked Peter on that day, what must I do to be saved? And then we'll have a chance to tell them. That's kind of the point. So God's Holy Spirit coming was God wanting to be with us and to unite us and to empower us. And when he does, he can use us to start wildfires, to spread fire all over our community and all over our schools, our families, our offices and our jobs and on our teams. And it all starts when people see these manifestations, when people see us living our lives with our hair on fire. That worked for Peter and the New Testament church. And that will work for us at CBCB. Let's pray, and I got one more thing for you. God, I just thank you for this story. Really, one of the weirdest stories in the Bible, one of the weirdest stories ever. But God, I just pray that you will let us see what they saw and kind of feel what they felt and have a, like a hunger, like a desire for what they had. God, we want to be changed by your spirit. We want to experience supernatural boldness and generosity and compassion, and persistence and love and joy and peace. We want all of those things that you want to give us. So God, I just pray that as we're kind of moving forward in this series, you will remind each one of us that if we're trying something that's bigger than us, if we're taking on something that's too hard for us, if we're in a place that's too dark or too scary for us, that just like these people in these stories, we can move forward with confidence. We can move forward with joy and passion and excitement because we are filled with the fire of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, real quick. Because I know a lot of you are saying, you know, that sounds good, Larry. Um, yeah, I'm in. But the problem is, I've been a Christian for, you know, 40 years. And I just, my hair never caught on fire. You know, I just never, I don't feel it. You know, I haven't really experienced that supernatural power. How, what do we do, you know? How do we, how do we ignite that fire? How do we make it happen? How do we make it happen? How do we experience that power? How do we see those changes? And that's what we're gonna talk about next week. What do we practically do to bring about the fire? And you should come next week. And you should pray this week that God will bring this fire into your life. And I just wanna encourage you, don't be scared. Don't be scared. I know it's a little bit weird, but next week in church, you're not gonna suddenly start speaking Japanese, right? You're not gonna burst into flames, probably. <laughs> Don't be scared. It's not weird, it's natural. You were created to be a mobile temple of God. You were designed by your creator to live your life with your hair on fire. So. Next Sunday, 
go easy on the hair product. <laughs> We're going to learn how to spark it up. We'll see you then.